Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church Online. <laughs> uh, Pastor is continuing to do well and grow stronger, as uh, we saw last Thursday at the at our Skype Bible study. Um, he's looking forward to returning to the pulpit very soon. Um, keep him and his family in prayer as he continues healing and rebuilding his strength through physical therapy. Let's open in prayer. Father, we come to you with thanks for the gift of eternal life through for all who believes in, in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Thank you for answering our prayers for Pastor John. We pray for his continued recovery for his family and blessings and health and prosperity of Light, on Lighthouse Bible Church and each and every one of our congregation, families, and community. We pray for our country and for all the people affected by the virus for the health care workers and essential service workers, and that our Lord will provide a solution. We also pray that people who are out of work will be able to return soon. Please bless all of us and prepare our hearts and minds today as we seek to learn more about your plan and purpose for our life through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Okay, well, as you all know, each month we feature a different missionary organization that we pray for and uh, send donations uh, as a church. Um, We encourage you to do this as well if you're able. So this month it's uh, Village Ministries International. VMI is a non-denominational Christian ministry um, designed to take both the gospel and the teaching of God's word to the people of the world. The target areas are villages and remote areas overlooked by many mission groups. Please add them to your prayer list and um, support it as the Lord leads. You can donate by writing a check to VMI and mail it to us, and we'll include it when we mail our contributions. Or um, you can donate online at their website, which is www.villageministries.org. Okay, well, uh, as you all know, we've been studying Daniel for the past two weeks, Daniel's chapter 1 through 6, and uh, today we're going to see some more excitement in Babylon in Daniel's chapter 5 and 6. So you can open your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 5 and verse 1, and we'll get started there. Well, this is our third week in the book of Daniel. I know we are only scratching the surface of, this, of the treasures of knowledge contained in this book, but I'm not going much further into it because after chapter 6, it's more about prophecy and eschatology than the narratives that we've been looking at. We will leave that for Pastor John whenever he is led to teach it, uh, although he did cover a good amount of it a couple of years ago in our study of the end times. So, um, as you may recall, we looked at chapter 1 and 2, which saw Daniel and his three friends brought to Babylon in exile from Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar. And he was, they were told to eat the king's special food um, so that they could supposedly grow stronger. But because they knew the meat was not prepared according to God's commands and had been sacrificed to idols, 
They were determined to obey God's law and therefore made a plan to eat only veggies and water. Not too exciting, but they were obeying God's law for the Jewish preparation of food. So then Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able, with God's help, to learn all the things they were commissioned by the king to learn, and they excelled in their studies above all the other, all the other students that were, were captives from uh, Jerusalem. So later, Daniel, again, with God's help, was able to interpret the king's dream, saving the wise men of Babylon from death and being witness to the king Nebuchadnezzar of the power of God. This brought prosperity and high positions to, uh, in Babylon to Daniel and his three friends. Not by worshiping the king, but by being true to their faith in God. Then in chapter 3 and 4, we saw King Nebuchadnezzar set up an idol made of gold, probably of himself, and command everyone in the kingdom to bow down and worship it. The king also proclaimed that anyone who refused to worship would be thrown into a fiery furnace alive. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship at the idol and told the king that their God would deliver them. But even if he did not, they would still never worship the idol. They demonstrated their faith in the God of Israel, even in the face of a painful death. Once again, God delivered them and gave witness before King Nebuchadnezzar of the one true God. Then came another dream for the king and another demonstration of his lack of faith. Even though he had seen several examples of the awesome power of Daniel's God. After Daniel told the king the meaning of his latest dream when no one else could, he still totally ignored its warning. And all the evidence that Daniel's God is the all-powerful God of the universe. And he he continued in his pride and arrogance. We saw that he was banished from his kingdom and forced to live as an animal until he praised God and acknowledged that God is in control and not him. Beginning in chapter 5, now we're going to continue with the story of Daniel and the new king of Babylon, Belshazzar, son of Nebuchadnezzar. Not to be confused with Belteshazzar, which was the name that... uh, King Nebuchadnezzar gave to Daniel. So we'll start in uh, Daniel chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Hopefully you all uh, turn to there now. Daniel 5, verse 1. Belshazzar, the king, held a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he was drinking wine in the presence of the thousand. When Belshazzar tasted the wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver vessels which Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the the temple which was in Jerusalem, so that the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God, which was in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. All these uh, pagan gods, right? It seemed like Nebuchadnezzar didn't pass on to his son what he, the lessons he had learned about God. More like Belshazzar learned the arrogance and pagan idol worship 
of his father, using the plunder they had stolen from the temple in Jerusalem in their idol worship ceremony. It continues in verse 5. Suddenly the fingers of a man's hand emerged and began began writing opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the back of the hand that did the writing. Then the king's face grew pale, and his thoughts alarmed him, and his hip hip joints went slack, and his knees began knocking together. The king called aloud to bring the conjurers, the Chaldeans, and the diviners. The king spoke and said to the wise men of Babylon, Any man who can read this inscription and explain its interpretation to me shall be clothed with purple and have a necklace of gold around his neck and have authority as third ruler of the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the inscription or make known its interpretation to the king. Sounds familiar from the last time or two. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, his face grew even paler, and his nobles were perplexed. The queen entered the banquet hall because of the words of the king and his nobles. The queen spoke and said, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts alarm you or your face be pale. There is a man in your kingdom in whom... There is the spirit of the holy gods, and in the days of your father, illumination, insight, and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, appointed him chief of the magicians, conjurers, Chaldeans, and diviners. This was because of an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, and insight, interpretation of dreams, explanation of enigmas and solving of difficult problems were found in this Daniel whom the king named Belteshazzar let Daniel now be summoned and he will declare the interpretation once again it seems like another failure of Nebuchadnezzar that King Belshazzar doesn't know about Daniel after all the evidence that Nebuchadnezzar had of Daniel's God's power He does the same thing his father did, calling all the conjurers, Chaldeans, diviners, with the same result as the last two times. What did we say about doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? That's right, insanity. (laughs) So fortunately, the queen, however, had paid attention to history of all these past events and told the king, Better call Daniel. If you notice, she still doesn't understand the true meaning of this since she says he has the wisdom of the gods in him. Does she really think this wisdom is from the idols and pagan gods they still worship, even after seeing dreams interpreted, lives spared, and men living through the flames of the furnace, all done by the God of Israel, the God of Daniel? I guess that's an example of hardness of the heart. So, continuing on in verse 13. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who was one of the exiles from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? 
Now I have heard about you that a spirit of the gods is in you, and that illumination, insight, and extraordinary wisdom have been found in you. Just now the wise men and the conjurers were brought in before me, that they might read this inscription and make its interpretation known to me. But they could not declare the interpretation of the message. But I personally have heard about you, that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. Now, if you're able to read the inscription and make its interpretation known to me, you will be clothed with purple and wear a necklace of gold around your neck, and you will have authority as the third ruler of the kingdom. So Daniel answered and said before the king, Keep your gifts for yourself, or give your rewards to someone else. However, I will read the inscription to the king and make the interpretation known to him. O king, the most high God granted sovereignty, grandeur, glory, and majesty to Nebuchadnezzar, your father. Because of the grandeur which he bestowed on him, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language feared and trembled before him. Whomever he wished, he killed, and whomever he wished, he spared alive. Whoever he wished, he elevated, and whoever he wished, he humbled. But when his heart was lifted up, and his spirit became so proud that he became arrogant, behaved arrogantly, he was deposed from his royal throne, and glory was taken away from him. He was also driven away from mankind, and his heart was made like that of beasts. And his dwelling place was with the wild donkeys. He was given grass to eat like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he recognized that the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind and that he sets it over whomever he wishes. Yet you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. But you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines have been drinking wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see, hear, or understand. But the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways you have not glorified. So when summoned by the king, Daniel tells Belshazzar that his father was humbled by God for his arrogance and that even though Belshazzar knew or should have known all this, he still chose to be arrogant and worship false gods who have no knowledge or power while ignoring the one God who has all the knowledge and power. Verse 24. Then the hand was sent from him, and this inscription was written out. Now, this is the inscription that was written out. Mene, mene, tekel, aparson. This is the interpretation of the message. God has numbered the many. God has numbered your kingdom and put an end to it. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found deficient. And Perez, 
your kingdom has divided and given over to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave orders, and they closed, clothed Daniel with purple and put a necklace of gold around his neck and issued a proclamation concerning him that he now had authority as the third ruler of the kingdom. And that same night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was slain. So Darius the Mede received the kingdom at about the age of 62. Well, what is the result here? The result is that Daniel, who is faithful to God, is blessed, while Belshazzar is murdered. I guess God knew Belshazzar would never come to faith and would continue in his arrogant pagan ways. Well, Darius the Mede may have been a king or governor of Babylon under Cyrus the Great, who eventually ruled Babylon after it was conquered by Medo-Persia. Cyrus eventually let the Jews return to Jerusalem. Well, we're going to move on to chapter 6 now. Get another continuation of the saga and deception and intrigue as the new ruler appoints his governing officers. Daniel distinguishes himself, once again, and is primed for promotion. So beginning in chapter 6 and verse 1. It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom, that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom, and over them three commissioners, of whom Daniel was one, that these satraps might be accountable to them, and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs, but they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was found in him. Then these men said, We will not find any ground of accusation against Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. Well, Daniel's jealous political rivals plot against him. These guys are jealous of Daniel's success and begin scheming to find a way to catch Daniel in some corruption. They can't, however, find anything he's done wrong, so they plot to frame him and trap the king into ordering a brutal punishment which will result in Daniel's death. Well, this sounds an awful like, lot like exactly what's happening today in our country, with folks in power and the folks who want to be in power. In the last few years, we see a lot of that in our own government, with high-level officials being targeted with allegations of sexual misconduct or other things from sometimes 30 or 40 years ago, and by alleged victims, some of whom are not very credible and who only came forward when the targeted individual is up for promotion. Sometimes the charges are simply for things allegedly said that are deemed hurtful or improper, even if taken out of context or cultural misappropriation, whatever that is. Impeachment charges brought on thin allegations of little or no wrongdoing. 
We see FBI officials ignoring some evidence while aggressively prosecuting on other evidence. Most of these charges seem to be highly partisan-based, with each side aggressively pursuing their adversary on the other side while ignoring the same type of conduct in their own group or party. This goes for both sides. So we'll see what kind of a deception these guys can cook up here and to force Darius to do their dirty work. Continuing on in verse 6. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as followed. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors, have consulted together that the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Well, it says all the commissioners and satraps and prefects, but I think Daniel was a commissioner, and I, think, I don't think he got invited to this meeting. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day and praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Daniel heard about this injunction and he kept his faith by continuing to pray and thank God. He also knew that his enemies had plotted against him out of jealousy and knew that God had his back since nothing is impossible with God. And he trusted God with his life as he had done before. Verse 11. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you sign an injunction that any man, any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, The statement is true according to the law of the Medes and the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king. Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. Then, as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. Even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Well, Darius realized that he had been tricked into signing this injunction, which turned out to be a death warrant for Daniel. The king wanted to rescue Daniel because he liked Daniel and Daniel was doing a great job, but he could not find a way around the Medo-Persian law, unlike Nebuchadnezzar, who was able to reverse his order to kill all the wise men of Babylon. Darius was still under that law and also under Cyrus the Great, and so had no choice but to carry out the sentence. Verse 15. 
Then these men came by agreement to the king, and they said to the king, Recognize, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. The king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. The king then arose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the den, to Daniel he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions And they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king. I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. Well, Darius was troubled greatly that he had sentenced Daniel to the lion's den, And he could not sleep or eat. In the morning, he was obviously very happy that God had delivered Daniel from the lion's den, as he knew no crime had been committed. In verse 24, Then the king gave orders, and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, and they cast them, their children, and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all of the land, May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. A few things that we can notice about Darius that differs from the previous rulers of Babylon meaning Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Darius was from another land and another culture when he began to rule Babylon. He evaluated Daniel on his merits and found him capable to be over the whole kingdom. He unfortunately didn't realize the politicians were just trying to get rid of Daniel due to jealousy. And he felt terrible about what he had allowed to happen. He decreed that the God of Israel is the true God and all people shall worship him. And notice this, he did not order punishment if they didn't worship God 
as his two predecessors had. If you remember, they were going to be torn limb from limb if they didn't worship the uh, idol that Nebuchadnezzar set up. So, the last verse of Daniel, verse 28. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Darius is the third ruler that Daniel witnessed with the power of God, witnessed too with the power of God. Cyrus will be the fourth. We don't know the details of Daniel's relationship with Cyrus yet, but verse 28 pretty much tells us it will be successful. Because he enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Well, in a summary of... uh, Daniel chapter 1, chapter 1 through 6, and I realized just today we just went through 5 and 6, but uh, the whole book has, the whole first six chapters have a single kind of a thread to it, and uh, this is a summary of that. So, Daniel stayed true to his beliefs and to God, even when faced with adversity, and you can see that ever since the beginning of the uh, not eating the food sacrificed to idols. Um, you can see it again in the, uh, the uh, learning of all the things that the king wanted him to learn. You could see him in uh, interpreting the dream because when he was called to interpret the dream of Nebuchadnezzar, he prayed to God with his three friends and uh, God gave him the answer. So he also picked his battles following the Jewish dietary laws and let the name change go uncontested. He didn't fight or protest the food order or go on a hunger strike, but he challenged his captors to test his plan and let the results determine their fate, which worked out well for him. Daniel and his three friends were diligent with God's help to learn everything they needed to please the king. Daniel was leading in the right way, by example and with faith. And with faith, when faced with wrongful, wrongful death sentence, he immediately led his three friends in prayer for a solution. When the king praised him, he gave all the glory to God and none for himself. And Daniel and his three friends continued to live their faith in chapter 4, 5, and 6. Nebuchadnezzar saw the miracles and power of God several times and still did not believe until he was stripped of everything. Even rescue from the fiery furnace soon became less important than Nebuchadnezzar's pride. And throughout these chapters, there are always the enemies of God trying to destroy Daniel and his people because of jealousy or pride. But Daniel obeys God and exercises faith throughout the story, always praising and thanking God for everything, even in the face of death sentences and great adversity. And he always gets blessed at the end of of each uh, trial. So things that this story shows is the triumph of faith in God over pride and arrogance, the triumph of good over evil, the triumph of God over Satan, and the power of God over nature. 
If you remember, he had power over the lions, he had power over the fire, he had power over the uh, the King Nebuchadnezzar when he banished him to the eat the grass with the cattle. <laughs> and uh, the fact that nothing is impossible with God and it's truly a great story of faith in action. So, closing today, before we go, if anyone has not yet believed in Christ as your personal Savior, now is the time to make that decision. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. If you want to turn there. Um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, and not from works, so that no one may boast. God has made salvation so simple that all you have to do is to receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life, is believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins, was resurrected by God, and trust in him as your personal Savior. Well, as you know, Lighthouse Bible Church is a grace ministry and supported by gifts from believers who desire to support the teaching of God's Word. We don't ask for pledges of money, and we don't pass the plate, but our ministry does have needs, even in this time of online only. If God moves you to help support this ministry, please mail a check or donate online. And thank all of you greatly for your generous donations, even in this time that we are unable to be together. So hopefully this time will be over soon, and I think hopefully, I think Pastor will be coming back pretty soon as well. You guys got to be getting way tired of me. <laughs> let's, let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to worship you today, and we ask that you bless us with your loving grace and answer our prayers as we leave today. We pray for the continued recovery of Pastor John and his family and our church family, and our community, and our country, and all who are suffering. We pray for everyone impacted by the virus, that a solution and recovery will be swift, and that we'll be back together soon. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So have a good week and stay safe.